Recorded live. Yeah. Well, here we go. <clears throat> what do we do now? Where do I go with all this? Well, one thing uh, that might be of interest um, to anybody, uh, particularly you, Jerry, you might be interested, Jerry One. Uh, let's see. I'm not supporting this. There's a lot of liberal language and it's definitely propaganda from Michael Moore. He's part of the, the uh, system. It tends to be for us. But uh, if you're interested, interesting. And that is Michael Moore's latest uh, bit of propaganda. It always shows up around uh, the uh, the circus, the, the circus and bread show, we call politics. And then the, the it's funny how they are uh, really good at pulling at people's uh, uh, buttons, push people's buttons, and pulling at their heartstrings and all that kind of stuff. So, and uh, a little bit of an understanding why a character like Donald Trump uh, at least what they're going to try to do to try to convince us of why he was elected. Of course, if you look at the Illuminati playing cards and you look at his own history and the times he's been on um, mainstream media, they've been prepping him a long time. He's part of the enough is enough, the chaos card. And uh, certainly is, things seem to be going as clockworks for them, so... I find it sad. I find it sad that if you speak the truth about stuff, if you point out things, if you explain to people about Dover Pike's plan for the three, and it's not his particular plan, he was simply sending the message to Mancini of the plan of, uh, quote-unquote, the new world order and the use of these uh, the creation of World War One and World War Two and World War Three, and they're never going to tell you about the Jesuits. Never going to tell you about uh, their role in all that. They're never going to tell you about. Well, if we're honest about it, uh, the usury system. Um, the Talmudic Jews and their Kabbalistic practices, and the practicing the Kabbalah and witchcraft, sorcery. If you talk about any of these things, you're nuts. It's really a shame because, uh, you know, once you have the eyes and they're open, and, and I, I understand how, I see a guy like, Michael Moore or uh, Joe Scarborough, and they certainly represent their uh, 
their world, their realities. And I think at times they must truly, I must, I would know I was that, them, those, those people. And uh, they believe in this system, this humanistic, capitalistic system, this ideology of a man. If they don't, then the worst of the worst of the kind of people that you imagine can imagine, that you would ever can imagine. Because then they're deliberately, systematically lying to us, offering empty promises and um, more disappointment, and a delusion, a lie. Deliberately, and my hope is that when you know I look at my past, my involvement with things like East Timor, East Timor Action Network, um, my involvement in politics, and generally, our friendships with some of the people I know in politics, who I hope they had the same thinking. They were still in that bubble of uh, delusion, but with good intent, truly good intentions. Uh, and, you know, that's what we hope, right? We, it's hard to believe that people are that wicked, but there are. And the history of mankind is just replete. And one of the things I, I know that for us, many of us, our eyes are being opened of how wicked the world is. And it seems that things are getting worse. And in many ways, it is getting worse for us. As they bring down deliberately the standard of our living. As the, uh, you can, honestly, Obama <clears throat> was really good at what he did. He, um, as a, a puppet on a string, uh, the fall guy for the uh, militarization of the, the police force throughout the country. Uh, good thing to do is you got some time. Is to just go back, and I can't remember who did this. Uh, I can't remember who it was that did that. Uh, maybe it was Dabu. Something I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, let's go back prior to Obama and just put in the police and look at all the and just look for images. Let's say 2008, and then then do one for 2016. If you want to see the difference, the imagery as the militarization of the police force. Those. You don't have to be a genius to realize what's really going on. <clears throat> I don't even think at this point, honestly, as someone who does believe in Jesus Christ and does believe in his Holy Spirit, I think that I needed him to wake me up. But I also know other people that will never believe in the only begotten who came in the flesh and paid for our sins. 
that uh, never believe Christ that see the same thing. So it's God uses all sorts of people, and it's not our place to decide who's going to wake up, and how they're going to wake up, and whether or not they're one of God's elect or not, and all this other uh, judgmental, sad, very sad behavior. Um, you know, if, if we love people, we allow them to be who they are. Still love them. I think, uh, what does that mean? That's I mean, a, a journey in itself in life to know what that means. And usually it's just about allowing them to be where they're at. No matter what, what happens to us. So, who are we as uh, servants bought by the blood of Christ? What are, what are we to his servants? So, is it just to just whisper sweet nothings uh, to people and be our cheerleader and say everything's okay? Or is it telling the truth? I don't know. Because the truth is very painful. And if you love the truth and that's in you to want the truth, um, you're going to go down places that a lot of people are not going to want to go. They're going to feel betrayed because you go down those places. And you have to develop some kind of thick skin and not take things personally. You're going to see a lot of things that happen where they feel betrayed, but many times it's the other way around. Sometimes it is that case that we betray others, but many times it's the others, it's the other, our brothers and sisters in Christ that betray us. At least it seems that way. But um, <clears throat> it's a lonely journey, and it's a lonely warrior, the truth. And um, I see what's going on this week and the uh, paid uh, protesters actually getting a wage, uh, being paid. Like, of course, good old Soros is there again, this, you know, to be blamed. Got to have somebody. Got Always got to have, like, that face out there. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, people say, well, they always throw these Jews out there, and the Jesuits do, to, uh, it's like a front group. And, I, and, by the way, I used to say the same thing. And that is not, it is true, but it's not always true. There are many different elements out there vying for power, influence, because they have their faith in man. Their God is themselves. Their God is man. And therefore, they're going to have a terrible time being able to see past the many layers of delusion and, and deliberate Deception. And it doesn't make you or I or anybody else that listens to this show or listens to other people like me uh, or have their own voice that's being heard um, any better than anyone else. Of course not. And uh, I see... 
One of the things I've definitely noticed is in the body of Christ and believers in our Lord and Savior, what he's done for us and our Heavenly Father and what he's given to us in this great merciful gift of salvation, saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't say to do anything else. I think we've got a lot of uh, brothers in Christ to be where they're at, and hopefully they allow me to be where they're at. I'm at and still be brothers in Christ, but it doesn't work out that way, does it? And so, I see a lot of bickering and <laughs> little subtle jabs and arrows and things that, uh, cheap shots and stuff like that that happen that I've been guilty of too, and I, I don't know what to do about it. It's, just, it's kind of comical at this point, really it is. Um, listen to, uh, to uh, there's there's <laughs> all the spats that are out there. Uh, some brothers in Christ that uh, no, I've, it's just in the internet world. I mean, how can you have a spat with anybody on via YouTube? It's not real. Now, you know, you might not like what I have to say. I, I understand that. There's people out there, so you know where I'm going with this reading and uh, presenting the argument of uh, partial preterism or full preterism and wherever we want to go with it. It doesn't really matter. It's the biggest thing is is for me, for how I see it, and it doesn't really mean anything how I see it, but how I see it, if it is true what is being presented, then that kind of changes the game completely. And uh, it changes the way you see the world. Yeah, there's a lot of wickedness, and I'm going to be talking about a lot of wickedness in this world, but you know what? There still is good. If we really look, I mean, Hank, I got multiple sclerosis. It's called... uh, Relapsing, remitting, and uh, probably had it since I was 16. Had no way to prove that except based on understanding of symptoms. Past seven years has been bad, and I've not been able to hold a, a full-time job. And I'm not looking for anybody, anybody to have any sympathy or anything about it, because I'm not alone in that. There's the people. All oh, there's everyone's got their their challenges. I mean, it's, it's a tough world. It's a tough life. It's an unfair life. But uh, the world has gotten better because, you know, I'm a a living example because I'm living. And I'm able to be there for my son and I can do this. And even if it's just mostly just basically talking to myself, hopefully other people hear me, but, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, in my situation, so. And I think probably most most men is probably that way, and women. We have a, a a platform to actually do this, what I'm doing. And everybody has this. It's not just me. And depending on how much energy and time you want to put into it, you can do really fancy uh, videos and all that kind of stuff. I refuse to get into the YouTube thing <clears throat> because... 
I know the power of imagery, being an artist, and I know that it's either the vocal, the hearing of the voice, or reading of the book, where you really learn something. And the powers of imagery can send you in so many different paths that are at best partially true. Even done reading this book from uh, Emma Scott. In the end of the day, I can't prove to you one way or the other that what he says is absolutely the truth because I don't have the access truly to the information, you know, that at the ground information, the uh, technical papers, you know, the all this inquire, you know, it's necessary for it uh, to prove to you or myself, one way or the other, that there truly is a three hundred year gap of no archaeological evidence. But it seems to be in the circle of archaeology, especially when we talked about the Mediterranean and Western Europe and that region, Asia Minor, that it seems to be, <clears throat> to be the case. And it seems to be uh, not really disputed. Overall, the dispute seems to be who's to blame for and whether it's uh, the barbarians of the north, north of Europe, or was it the Arabs? Was it the papacy? Uh, was it the Persians? Um, was it the Byzantine Empire? Were they all in cohesion together, you know, uh, working together? Um, the argument eventually that we'll learn too is to, down the road here, it was going to be a couple of weeks before I get back into that. Emmett Scott's work is that, um, well, that the Roman Empire needed to, it, it took advantage of the, the Word of God, what was in the Word of God, <clears throat> needed to have that 1,000 years and twist it around. And, um, but I don't even know how sound that is, so. And interesting, too, is then if you look at all the different calendars, presently, the Jewish, the uh, Babylonian, um, the Chinese, it's more in line with the Gregorian. But there's different calendars out there, and there's different dates. It seems to me uh, the Jewish calendar is more in line with what Emmett Scott is saying. So I don't know. My point in all this is, we there's something that's happened to us, especially those we get, we get really zealous and we get really passionate about our faith. But our faith, as mine is, I believe it is, is I study and I learn and I grow and I listen to other points of view, and what I understand today compared to what I understood, you know, a year ago or six months ago. Well, things have changed. It's called growth. And, um, I don't know. 
I see just this. It seems like everyone feels like they have this responsibility of rebuking and challenging and arguing their point of view. And it's clearly not. It's not based on love. And you know why you know it's not based on love? By how upset you get with your presentation, your argument, how angry you get to the other person who may truly be uh, a child of Christ, uh, a child of God. And um, see things, uh, you know, 180 degrees differently in a certain area. And just to see the behavior, pride, it really is pride. I'm guilty of it, you know, we're all guilty of it. But I, I do feel that I am growing and going back to actually who I used to be. Because I never was uh, the zealot. Even though when I was even in different organizations in the past, I, I had passion about it. I believed in it. But um, I never crucified or ostracized or um, abandoned somebody if they didn't agree with me on it. <clears throat> and I see it happening over and over again. And it's a brilliant strategy by the ruling elite. You see it in a macrocosm with the elections, the left-right paradigm, blue-red, the Hegelian dialect, right? Problem, reaction, solution. And um, but Christianity is really masterful at it. Yeah, there's thirty thousand different. Uh, sex and denominations Christianity and so what the real issue in all of this is though we may differ doctrinally how the heck did we miss the point about love thy neighbor love God and love thy neighbor And, you know, it seems to be pervasive. Um, maybe it's easier for me, because I don't have 30 years invested in it. Like with the title, uh, you know, bearing the title of being a Christian. I don't know. But I see a lot of I don't know. How important is it all? <clears throat> not really. It's not really that important to me. You know, the thing is, it's more It's more just... Um, it's, it's just a fascinating... It's, it's a fascinating observation. And if you are willing to detach yourself a little bit, by the way, you find this in all cults, and all, and you say, "Well, what do you say Christianity is a cult?" Oh, hold on a second. 
there are a lot of people out there that do take the, the pure doctrine and teachings of the Bible and twist it around for their own personal gain one way or the other. And it doesn't have to be money. A lot of times it's power. Personal power. Influence. Sometimes we just want to be feel like we are, really are important. That our life means something. And then there's, you know, that you get you. It's the, the consequences of being willing to adapt and change uh, intellectually and uh, be honest about it. There is a, there's a great cost. And we all know this. Um, you know, if you're a person who has been married for a long time or something like that, you know what it, what it really means to be married. They really have a healthy relationship. It's never, it's, if it's one-sided, uh, it's not a healthy relationship. And at the same token, you're going to have to allow your spouse or your significant other to have their way of thinking. And if you try too hard to control the situation, well, it will backfire one way or the other. So, And, uh, you know, so the issue really is not so much that we should have just one brick-and-mortar church out there like the Catholics want or other, you know, the Greek or Russian or Eastern Orthodox or the... And they just name them all. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of them. They feel they're right. I feel I'm right in certain areas. I feel I was right in certain areas a year and a half ago that today I'm embarrassed to even say that I believed it. I see brothers that I believe are brothers in Christ who believe what I believed a year and a half ago. They strongly believe in it still. And what do I do about that? You look at, um, here's the, uh, two fine examples of a cult. Uh, of course, there's the Mormon church, but uh, if you've done any research on Scientology, well, you want to see it's, uh, something that's solely based on mind control and all the ingredients involved and what it means to control the mind of the the parishioners or the laity or the the followers of this movement and the abuse and the exploitation of money and the ups and downs and the "Ah, I'm right I'm feeling great everything's perfect only Nothing's perfect, and after you, these people spend, you know, hundred thousand or whatever it is, you know, some people spend a million and all these different OT one to seven or whatever it is. It was very interesting that he used OT in this abbreviation when he got OTO and he was a member of uh, Hubbard. He was a member of. It. They didn't know that. How do you know? How not? You know, the average person doesn't know this. You know, a person gets involved in. Uh, um, Mormonism, you know, you you don't 
No, you didn't know. They didn't know who uh, Joseph Smith was and uh, what a character and a con artist he was. They didn't even know the, the leadership of their own personal community as far as the stake, the wards, the stakes. You know, it's um form of the different 70s, the different quorums, the the Twelve Apostles and all that kind of stuff, and the leadership. You, you don't have no idea. You you feel like you found something. You found home. You found people that was willing to accept you. And it's like that at first until time goes on and you start to realize, well, the only reason I they do accept me is because I blindly follow and accept everything that the church says. And it doesn't matter what organization it is and Unfortunately, even Christendom has is it's just plagued with it. It really is. And the more and more you learn and the more you are mature about it and you're willing to just be as honest as you possibly can. And really look at yourself. And there's been so many times me using scripture and totally convicted that what I was doing was the right thing. And saying the right thing, only that as I matured in my thinking and my understanding, and I listened to different voices, that I was doing nothing more than being basically an arrogant jerk. And, um, yeah, I understand the need and the importance of hiding behind your faith, your religion. It's a scary world out there. It really is. And things haven't changed in thousands of years that much. Now, we live in an environment and a culture where, um, right now at least, the United States of America is, uh, you know, for most of us who are fortunate in this country, there's an awful lot of people that are not, still not fortunate. They're living in tent cities and all that kind of stuff. and Living under viaducts, and they really are. And if you don't, believe me, you can just spend some time in a big city and drive around at night. And most, a lot of those people aren't drug addicts. And a lot of those people aren't mentally ill. As much as they like to paint that picture... Um, we live in a failed system in Babylon, but in Egypt, in Babylon, in Sodom. You know, it's like, as a Christian, is it really that important to me that uh, about gay marriage? No. Because I see right through it, and I see the real issue. The real issue is we never should have... uh, People are getting a license from the state. We're handing more of our own freedom over by doing it. So if the gay man or woman or whoever, whether it's the Obama or Michelle Obama or whatever... And everybody knows that that's real. It's, I mean, I know she's snookered and fooled the vast majority of uh, America. He has. 
and thinking that we're looking at a woman, but we know better if we just open up our eyes. Um, you know, who cares? I think it's symbolic and systematic or, or symptomatic of the culture that we live in where we have a quote-unquote, you know, president. You know, this is what he is really. It don't do much for your and my life. They don't. They run the their seat. President Obama is the CEO of the United States, the District of, the, of Columbia. I mean, very little. I mean, it has had some impact on it, but he's just signing the papers. Um, our own representatives don't seem to do much about much of anything. And I'm not really complaining about it. The thing is, is that at the end of the day, there's nothing new. The one thing I've learned about politics after 40 years, and this is the reason why I didn't even bother voting this year, is that there was no ever any change. There, it's, it's, it's all a big sham when it comes to the presidential election. Now, it's less likely to be one in your local but let's be honest, if you don't even know who your judges are, and um, what's the difference? Where the real power is. And, uh, you know, if you, if you got enough integrity, well, let's just say your integrity or, or your value system says, you know, I'm not going to join some club like the Freemasons or Knights of Columbus or whatever it may be in your neighborhood. You know, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, I'm not going to, well, you know, you know, there's pretty much, you. we really can't say, complain much about anything. So I guess <laughs> that's the way the system has been run and always has been run. The funny thing of it is, is this uh, externalization of the hierarchy. That's what we're witnessing. We see things bad, and it seems like we're everything's getting worse. What is happening to us is what has always been, but concealed. It's unveiling itself. This is part of the the UN agenda. This is part of we heard from Madame Blavatsky and and the other whatever yeah, Bailey. You know, this this just is what it is. And what we are simply seeing is what has always been. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what it is. I mean, I, I, I imagine Abraham was going through the same thing. I imagine Job was going through the same thing, witnessing it. I imagine Isaiah and Ezekiel were seeing it. I imagine when Christ was here, he was seeing the same thing. Now, yeah, you didn't have uh, this television thing, this imagery, this flickerings of hurts and images and the message. Uh, as we, you know, Satan's altar wasn't in everybody's home, yeah, a couple of generations ago. But things were still bad. And if you think it's not, I just would encourage you to just start studying some history. 
and just pick any particular group you want. Doesn't matter if it's a religious group or a some tribe or some whatever it may be, what population, what part of the, this this world, it's always been bad. Which you know, for anything should make us be more grateful uh, for what the potential of our faith in Christ means that we can have eternal life. And it will be whatever he decides it to be. Even that we have we can't agree on. And um you know, I don't know. I mean to me I'm definitely leaning way to the full preterist view. And but if you know if you don't, if you are complete opposite, at this point in my life you could be, and I know this is going to be heretical, especially to my brothers who are historicists, and um, spend all this time exposing, as I have, dispensational futurism, and that is, you know, it's all come from the Jesuits, <clears throat> which is not true. And now it is true that the Jesuit was the, you know, and. Rome and the Roman Catholics in particular, and that the monkish orders that presented this in different forms of a future uh, tribulation. And you know what? Let's be honest. 99.9% of all brothers and sisters in Christ believe some version of that. And, uh, you know, we may turn our heads and snub our noses and say, oh gosh, what is wrong with that person? You know what the truth is? There's nothing wrong. The fact of the matter is you and I are not saved by our our masterful our mastery of eschatology and, uh, and uh, past or future events. The only thing that saves you and I is what it says in the Bible. The Word of God, if you believe it to be. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's it. And I find people just bickering and arguing about some of the stupidest things. And there's the other thing, too. I'm gonna, you know, I spent a lot of time myself. I'm glad I didn't write the book. I know too many people who have wrote the book and write books and invest so much time exposing uh, the papacy and the Jesuits or the Jews or whoever it may be. And there's so many, there's so much bad out there. It's, you just pick your flavor. And yeah, if you want to go all the way to the, the top, yeah, all roads lead to Rome. And everybody's known this for hundreds of years. It's just problems that you and I probably didn't know much of that or were told that. In our lives. It's only now coming to, for many of us, that understanding, thanks to the Internet. Whether the state decides to use that against us or not, I don't know. At this point, it's clear that we don't have much clout about anything. We don't represent even 
a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a minority and a percent of the populace. So, um, and things aren't going to be any different for a while, looking here. Uh, they're still going to be, now they're going to try their best and cause us living hell for the next century or so in this, you know, rubbing the Muslim against the Zionist and try to destroy all these different religions, our religion, their religion, and create this Luciferian thing, this doctrine, which is sun worship and is Satan, you know, anything, you know, it's what it is really in a day is sun worship in humanism is what it is. The great goal in this is just to destroy all these religions and just, let's just go back to what it used to be like. You know, the good old days, uh, pagan, the pagan Roman Empire. Now you say, I don't agree with that. I know it's okay. I could be absolutely wrong. It doesn't matter in any day, except that uh, it is, you could, you could see it with the ecumenical movements. You could see that with all the moves. You could even see with this election and this whole, you know, lovey-dovey thing after presenting this charade of this election between the ultra-liberal um, Hillary, the lovely Hillary, who turns out to be you know, wicked just like all the rest of them. And it's not all that great. And doesn't seem to uh, have very good discernment about who she, at least she hangs out with. Doesn't seem to bother her that she's hanging out with Satanists and drug dealers and killing people here and there. I, I don't know. It seems these are the what people do and they research and that's what they say and is it far fetched to believe? No. I mean it's and as far as you know Donald Trump, you know, here's a guy that everyone's complaining about being a racist and a misogynist and a and a, just a real lech. But you know what? Let's think about all things. And maybe it's be an opportunist. Michael Jackson, which I was never interested in, never liked his music, and and just, you know, he was what he was. Yeah, a very talented guy, but was really messed up in the head and a freak. And I understand. Guess of all the people that was that was there for Michael Jackson, when everyone else was poking fun at him and making fun at him and exploiting him. Now, Donald Trump was exploiting him, too, in ways, but in the same token, for a white guy, he was really being awfully nice to one of the weirdest-looking dudes. I mean, there's one thing for you to have an issue with somebody in their color of their skin, and there's another thing to have an issue with somebody because, well, let's be honest. I mean, I'll let you make that decision, but, you know, let's put it this way. The average guy or gal the transformation that um, Michael Jackson was going through, uh, most of us would have a little issues with it one way or the other, as much as we would like to think how uh, loving and liberal we are. And certainly, he also was uh, under severe uh, sorcery and mind control and leading up to the next generation where he was kind of transferring himself uh, to be more like effeminate-like, 
to now where we have, you know, Bruce Jenner and all these transgender, transsexual, these men that are now women and having the sex changes and all that kind of stuff all over the place and glorifying it. And I just would like to tell you, and I just want you to think about things. You know, a lot of you will say, well, you know, those wigs that the judges were wearing and all that kind of stuff. And the early founders of uh, this country and George Wash and all that, that it, um, they really had to do it. And it was had certain symbolic meaning behind it. And I'm sure it did. And it also looked like a bunch of freaking fruits. Let's be honest with it. They had stretchy pants. And they were wearing wigs. And I would bet anything, and I know this is, for a lot of people, this is going to be uh, blasphemy. This is going to be wicked. But I put any money on it. The majority of the ruling elite in this country and Europe were, uh, you know, sodomites. It's always been part of this. It's always been this way. If you just go to history, you're going to find out Caesar, Maximus, and how many of these people had serious issues. And But it was part of their culture and part of who they are. It's always been that way. Now, the problem is us as uh, Christians, we get really judgmental about things, and we think we actually understand fully what the Word of God is saying, and, you know, there's just a lot of people, you know, say, oh, you know, this uh, Greek thing and this Hebrew thing is a, it's a way for uh, the um, seminarians, the, the, you know, the pastors and the, the uh, priestcraft to control us, and it is true, but it's the same token, we have to be intellectually honest enough and accept that probability very high that the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and it might be a high probability. I know it was blasphemous, and I read my King James. I love my King James. I'm not going to get rid of my King James. I like the way it's cadence. I like the way it's said. But there's certain words in it that have not been um, well, they could have been better translated. We all know this. And we have to remember the times when it actually was done. Who were the men involved with this? What were the political and social um, pressures at the time? What was going on? As far as the the actual meat and potatoes, the real message, the importance of the Messiah, who he was, what it means for salvation who is salvation for and all that because it's in there. It's the, uh, oh, it's like, uh, what's his face? Um, the hyper-Calvinist, um, which I don't have any problem if you want to be a hyper-Calvinist. And I actually like the guy. Um, but I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says. Um, Slick, Matt Slick. Carms, you know? And, uh, You know, he talks about uh, you know, primary issues, you know, and uh, secondary. And we usually start beating the crap out of each other on the secondary ones. Sorry for saying that. But in the end, Dave, uh, I don't know what a better word would be. 
we just okay beat the snot out of each other. Um, we're cruel to each other. Is what it is. Mentally, we're cruel to ourselves and cruel to each other. If we didn't, if we stop back a little and say, you know what? Do I know a hundred percent for sure what I'm talking about here, or is it that I believe that I know what I'm talking about here? It's not the same thing. You know, the weight of evidence, is it on your side or somebody else's side? Is it in the middle? If the weight of evidence is on your side, it still doesn't mean you're right. You know, this is the thing about my faith in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I do believe it was a gift given to me from God that has helped me get through and meaning in my life, and I'm looking forward to what it means to really live life and to be in the presence of uh, God and what all that entails. Even if this means I have to be his slave and be whipped every day and be, you know, wherever he's at, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it just is what it is. I mean, it gives me peace and meaning. And I cannot prove my faith in Jesus Christ one bit to anybody. Only the Spirit of God can do that. I can demonstrate and intellectualize and give you all of the reasons why I do. Um, but there, every every single reason stops at a certain point, and then it goes straight to this thing called faith. And I can't prove to you one bit about any of this. There seems to be a weight of evidence that in 70 AD, something happened in Jerusalem and uh, uh, over a million people died. But in a day, if I were to say I know that 100% sure, no, I don't. We live in a world full of uncertainties. And that's the honest truth. We have no idea in the end of the day how God is going to use um, the election. What's going to use? How he's going to use Donald Trump and all this? Could it be? I mean, to me, it looks like the game plan. But I, I will, I wouldn't put a, a, a dime on it, let alone a dollar on it. Um, Obama will be there for four years to agitate the populace because there's going to be war. <clears throat> and in order to have war and to get things really going for the blood sacrifice they need, we've got to agitate the populace. We got they got to break us down to such a point that we're willing to pick up a gun and kill each other. We're, we're willing to drop bombs on each other. We're willing to and this is all necessary. This is all how it's always been. And um, and you know, you know, people say we look back in the Old Testament, and the the Jews they deserved what happened to them with the temple the first time round, or the Babylonians and how terrible they were, and how terrible the Assyrians were. And then you start putting all the pieces together and you realize, man, 
All of us are terrible. Uh, America's history is, uh, you know, when the when the when the you know when the finally when the blank hits the fan, the rest of the world's not going to feel too ho- sorry for us. And we don't know what happens today or five years from now, or if it happens fifty years from now. We have no idea how it's going to turn out. Life is very uncertain, and life is very unfair. I know an awful lot of guys and gals that I would say are pretty quality, high-quality people that have had a lot of cruddy things happen to them. I see a lot of these things that was going on, like you know, exposing the Jesuits, the Jews, and all that kind of thing. Is more of an egotistical uh, thing than anything else. I'm going to share with you, and I'm probably going to fail terribly in this this particular recording because it's already an hour into it almost. That um, perspectives. What do preterists say? What do partial preterists say? Why I don't buy into the specious argument that it was a Jesuit ploy. I think it's the other way around. I really think that it was a masterful, tactical, tactical move to actually get the average uh, Baptist and Bible-believing fundamentalist Christian to buy into that and to say, you know, get them to st- not even look any further. Kunza was part of it. He did it. He and you start realizing that's not true. It's very uh, defendable, defensible, scripturally to buy into partial preterism and full preterism, whether you believe it or not. At the end of the day. If there is the final, a final, a final, that final day of judgment and when Christ comes again, the second coming, physically, the odds are I would not put any money on it that you're going to be there when it happens. And I would be more reassured the fact that the odds are if you're one of his and you're faithful, in your faith in the Lord and are love God and do your best to love your neighbors, they should probably have a place already <clears throat> in God's kingdom. And that's something to look forward to. He conquered death. He did already. At least how I believe it. And um if you don't believe that, you see another. You want if if it's more satisfactory for you, it, it gives you peace and, and to it and makes you feel good. And that you believe that the you know that our spirit, our soul stays in the ground and until the second coming comes. So be it. In the end, it all washes out the same, and we're arguing about the wrong things. We're hating on each other for the wrong things. And at the same token, too, you know, there's got to be, you have to understand and be willing. I mean, there's some brothers that I know are very intelligent, 
extremely intelligent men, very gifted, that their role in this world is to expose Rome or whoever it may be. They're the biggest pricks you'll ever meet in your life. They're the biggest self-centered, egotistical, most rotten people you ever meet. That's the way it goes. My best friend in high school was like that. I remember that. <laughs> you know, I still love the guy. I mean, he's a beast. I still do to this day. We never see him. You know, he's, he's who he is. He's my friend. You know, I shared moments in time with him. His brothers in Christ are just that way, too. That if they were to call me up, I would give them my ear and I would listen to them. And it is what it is. I mean, I think need some healthy uh, emotional maturity. We can need it. We all need it. And I find it silly. <laughs> I just find it silly the sort of things that go on. And you know, you get to know your your brothers in Christ and how their behaviors are. And you like a lot of times you you know the first time something happens, you're like, oh, what are you talking about me and that's not fair how he's doing it. And then you go, it doesn't really matter. Brother of Christ, you know, if he can't, if he uh, called me, I would, I would give him my ear. If you think, if my brother of Christ thinks I'm out of my mind, that's well, <laughs> okay. You know? There needs to be some maturity in all of this. And I think we've been victimized by this Romanistic system, whether it's in brick and mortar church or it's public school system or it's the uh television or whatever, you know, it could be university or an online course or the average, uh, I would say Roman, today's Roman, because it's beyond the United States, because you'll find this in a lot of places. Not as bad as here, but in a lot of places. I mean, we're definitely, the English influence in our lives is heavy. I lived in England for three and a half years, and, I, there's, and I've been in on the continent for time and there is a difference in approach and attitude and family and culture and all that. And we're very reserved, at least my section of the United States. And, uh, you know, you're, I would be lucky. I'm going to have to accept the fact if whether I live another year or another 30 years, that the odds are that I will never have, any real great meaningful relationships in my life. Um, that, um, and if I do ever find that, you know, really great friend, um, I'll be lucky because I'm not that great of a person or that desirable to be with, to be honest with you. And it's beyond the fact of what I look like or my sickness or, um, and it's okay. I mean, I 
and there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I don't health wise and being a single father and you know, I don't have so much energy. I'm kind of glad that God gave me this little opportunity. And then a brother in Christ even helped me hook up to this talk show thing. And although I could have done it in many different ways, I'm glad it's simple, cheap, inexpensive, not really that demanding. Anybody can do what I'm doing. I strongly recommend everyone who ever listens to this to do just that. Start your own little show. You know, the thoughts stir in your head. Give it an opportunity to be... Um, Recorded, shared with, and maybe people won't like it. Maybe no one will like it. Who cares? Maybe you'll be really popular, and a lot of people will dig and find it. Uh, what you have to offer is something really great. What the heck was that noise? Was that a cat? Was that my son? So anyways, I wanted to say, you know what, anybody listens to this and actually listened all the way through it, I love you. I appreciate the fact that you even listen to me. When I say I love you, you know, in a, in, a, in a Christ-like way, I mean, I love you whether you believe in Christ or not. I love you because I know you're probably going through a heck of a lot yourself. And you know, it really doesn't matter if we agree on everything. It doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. You know, I can't make someone believe in anything. A lot of work, in a way, too, that was a salvitic for me in a physical, temporal way, was learning all this stuff. It kept me going. It keeps me going. Maybe if I uh, was in a healthy relationship with a woman and I had a job and all that, in fact, let's just scratch it. it. It definitely would be. I wouldn't be doing this, and I wouldn't be focusing on these quote-unquote conspiracies, which really is just the history of mankind is nothing but a conspiracy. We can't help ourselves. It will always be that way. We want utopia, and it will never happen. And it's okay. In fact, it's good to be just there, right there. And accept that reality. And to say, you know what? I'm going to just try to do the best I can to make this world just a little more interesting, a little more exciting, a little more meaningful for myself and hopefully for others. And get through one day at a time. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a great, you know, speech, but it's the reality. In a lot of us, you know, the odds are I'm going to not have any money. I'm always going to be very poor, impoverished, live in dumps, which is never what I planned on. You know, I got a guy who was healthy enough to, you know, be a train conductor, taking freight trains to Chicago and back to Toledo and every place between and doing art and music and other things, you know, living life and making love to pretty women. And those days are over. And, you know, the best days, I believe, are to come. 
in, in this life and the life to come. So, I mean, that's the good news, right? The good news is that God has offered us a way to have eternal salvation. And yeah, you can talk about election and all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. But you know, there's a certain point you're just like, you know what? It's really simple for me at this point. You know, you can make a real... Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah. Do you believe he's the Son of God? Yeah. Well, you know, your odds are you're probably one of the elect. Because you know what? The vast majority of the people around you don't. And if they do, they don't tell you that. They believe. So, you know, what do you do? How important is all this stuff? For me, this one issue is very important. And it is because I see a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's a generational thing that has been going on, and we, people say, well, why did God allow this to happen? You know what? Why does God allow a lot of things to happen? But I can see a lot of it is because of us. A lot of it is our thinking, and it's very hard for us, and it doesn't matter if you're eight years old or 80 years old, to admit to yourself and to be exposed to the point where you said, you know what, I was wrong again. It's hard. Uh, you know, physically it's hard. Emotionally it's hard. There, you know, for many people it causes them a heart attack. That kills them. Literally. To realize that they've been wrong about something so important in their lives that has caused other people when you start looking at it misery uh, you've been really judgmental and self-righteous and and you say you know when we all do this it's like, how important is it to, the truth well to me the truth is important to the best that I understand it and the truth is, the person next to me ain't going to see that or feel that way, most likely. Or if they do, it's going to be the way they see the truth to be. And um, I honestly find the journey, I'm glad I got this isolation, this period of isolation, because I've learned. I intellectually have grown and uh, manned up a little bit on a lot of different areas. Um, do I think I'm better than uh, Pope Francis or the Black Pope and the Jesuit General or uh, uh, whatever the latest caliph is and whatever, you know, Sophie, whatever this, you know, whatever it is, rabbi, I, you know what, I not. And I also know that I have a decision. Now, I could end up hating that person and that even a person that could potentially deep down inside hate me. And there's a lot of people out there, it turns out, that actually do hate me, and for reasons that are beyond my understanding. <laughs> but they do. Some of the people, the most important people in my life, people that I deeply love, don't love me back, and will never love me back. What do you do about any of it? So anyways, the next time I do a recording, I will definitely get back into... The Resurrection and the Kingdom by Kirk Simons, and then we'll, or Simmons, and uh, 
then we get back into the uh, uh, you know whatever you know Gentry's book, and I want to finish it up. I probably wanted to also read uh, the uh, the Perusia Perusia. And by Russell from uh, 150 years ago, and then I probably will let it be. I say this is how I see things, and there's a lot of evidence there. And if you don't agree with it, can we learn to be brothers in Christ? And if we can't, then you know maybe it really is just what it is. Maybe Christ is so right. When he says, you know, keep things to yourself and pray in the closet, maybe it really is that. In order to um, keep the peace and your sanity, maybe it really is just a matter of just, you know, keeping your opinion to yourself. I know that's that last statement is not palpable for a lot of us, but maybe that's the way it is. And maybe we are just to have a quiet life. So. Anyways, um, don't forget the hoax busters. Once again, it's on the talk show right now, probably going on still. Uh, Chris Handel. Or Kendall, and uh, he you know he does a great job, and he's really good. If you like, you're into the hoaxes and the conspiracies and all that, and he's doing a good job exposing the election and that you. <laughs> but for me, I'm just sharing my journey. That's all I'm going to do, and there's many reasons for it. With the hope that maybe I might make some meaningful friendships. And if they don't, that still doesn't matter. You know, I, I can't do anything about that. But the other thing is it's an opportunity to talk. Because I know what it's like. I've seen it in my father. I've known from other men in my life. I've even had my own experience with it at times. Um, everyone needs an outlet. And even if it's just talking to yourself, a lot of times that's what we do, right? In fact, if you're honest about it, if we're all honest about it, we have this imaginary conversation going on, and it's usually with somebody that said something and did something. And a lot of times, it could be somebody that's on the other side of the, of the world, and we're getting ready, preparing for when we're going to pounce on them, really get at them. And um, it's not good. And we, a lot of us live in a very isolated, unhealthily isolated existence. Yeah, you work hard, you do this, that, and ever. You know, everybody works their, their head off and butt off. And, but you're like, you know, we're all told they're just going to just suck it up and be a man, you know? Keep a lot to yourself, but you know what? I've come to realize that that's really unhealthy. And since I live in existence, and that's been around a, a, a reality for most men in West, the Western world, I know all the world, 
I'm going to do everything I can to feel like I'm still alive and still going and kick it. And um, not that I love this world and I want to keep, you know, but I have my son and there's still lots of things to learn in this on this plane. And, um, you know, you've got to do the best you can, right? So, you know, but that's what I'm interested in. I'm really interested right now when I, in the Word of God, understanding it the best I can. I've pretty much, in the vast majority of my time, free time has been that, and it's hard to, it would be hard to recognize that I'm a biblical scholar, and, but well, I could certainly say I have a better understanding of the Scriptures the Old New Testament today than I did a year ago. And the biggest thing I think is um, the zealousy, the the zealotry that I experienced myself, I see in other people, and it's um, it's worth it. Is it doing any good? Apparently not. So, I don't know. I have no idea if anybody's listening still. Nope. That looks like Jerry won. Send it out, so...